Welcome back for a week eight recap. We had elite wide receivers having huge weeks. We had the highest scoring running backs, just as predicted. Christian McCaffrey and obviously Gus Edwards with three touchdowns. We saw some shootouts, major upset in Denver. 12 teams using a backup QB at some point today. All right, let's chat some cash lineups, tournaments, everything in between. Time to get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzig, and we are back to talk some football. Let's start off with the three biggest storylines of the day. Number one, Denver Broncos pulling off the huge upset of the Chiefs, holding Mahomes and the squad to zero TDs and just three field goals. In a week where all the talk of the Broncos was about who was going to be traded, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, ends up both of them get in the end zone with a touchdown. And the other side, Chiefs couldn't get anything going. Mahomes threw two interceptions. Maybe this can be attributed, attributed to his flu game. We obviously knew he was suffering from some illness. Maybe that got in the way. I'm not sure. But even two weeks ago, Broncos held the Chiefs to 19 points. Maybe this defense isn't as bad as we thought because they gave up 70 to the Dolphins. All right, number two biggest storyline, I think, was the powerhouse matchup of the week. It was between San Francisco and Cincinnati. Bengals left victorious. Jamar Chase goes 10, 101 touchdown. But for fantasy purposes, on the other side, just about everyone in San Francisco had a great game. Purdy threw for 365 yards, a touchdown, rushed for 57 yards as well. McCaffrey had 118 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. And then Ayuk and Kittle, neither got in the end zone, but both eclipsed that 100-yard mark. Pretty solid games all around there. And then the third one, this one's a bit unfortunate, but Kirk Cousins likely torn Achilles. Such a tough, tough run out for those that drafted either Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkins, and Kirk Cousins all looked like great draft choices. Um, unfortunate, unfortunate, because yes, trade deadline is you know coming up. It's possible to call it tight, you know, they could call it the Titans, maybe Ryan Tannehill. Um, maybe call the Cardinals for Kyler, who's supposedly healthy, but not likely going to play this week. Maybe they talk, talking to free agents. You know, Carson Wentz was trying to get back in the, in the hang of things with the Jets. Whoever it is, it's hard to imagine, though, that anyone being as good for fantasy purposes as Cousins is for those pass catchers. But I'm not – it's going to be hard for the Vikings to completely change their identity because they've had one of the worst rushing games, um, you know, basically in the league. They got their first rushing touchdown this week, but I don't expect them to become a run-first team. That's just not, you know, it's not how they're going to be successful. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully they're able to get someone who's at least semi-competent. I do think Tannehill probably makes the most sense if they can uh, – Will Levis looked good for the Titans. Maybe the Titans just want to keep Will Levis, uh, you know, going the rest of this year. Why not give Tannehill to the Titans, get something in return? We'll see. Okay, enough with the macro NFL stuff. Let's get down to the cash lineup. My cash lineup today, not quite as straightforward as other days because I ended up making a 2v2 late swap. So I'll go into all the details, but ended up scoring 164 points, won 84% of my head-to-heads. Uh, but let, let's start off with what my lineup was going into the date. So in the day, pre-lock. So at QB, had Lamar Jackson. Running backs, I went three running backs. Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara, and Brees Hall. Wide receivers, Josh Downs, Nico Collins, Zay Flowers. 
tight end Trey McBride and defense was Vikings. So at quarterback, I really only considered paying up, and that was either going to be Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson. Only $100 different, so it was mostly a straight up just, hey, who's the better play? And both had great matchups. Both have had very strong seasons so far, and I wouldn't fault someone for picking really one over the other. ETR had Hertz projected for about a point more, but most of the industry was leaning Lamar by about a point. Um, Jalen Hurts it's not really has pretty much like felt like a lock for near what, at least one rushing touchdown a week with the tush push. Um, he's been, you know, been a bit more consistent, but Lamar also. Lamar's had more upside. Lamar wasn't on the injury report. Jalen Hurts, you still had this kind of knee injury that I was a bit leery of, even though he wasn't on the injury report, but we still knew it was kind of bothering him or playing some role. So I went back and forth. At the end of the day, I ended up siding with the Lamar side because things really seemed to be clicking over there in Baltimore. He did seem to have the higher upside based off what we saw last week. And I think that's two highest. He's had two higher games than any of Hertz's. Um, and ended up using all of my salary with my initial lineup, and Lamar was $100 cheaper, so it kind of fit. That helped the decision as well. Lamar ended up 38% owned, and that may have honestly been higher if it wasn't for late swaps like I did. Uh, he only put up 12 points. Not the Ravens bad or anything. It's just Gus Edwards got three touchdowns on the ground, and then Lamar also only had 17 rushing yards. Um, maybe it was because they were ahead. Maybe it's a scheme thing. I'm not sure. Something we'll keep an eye on. Um, obviously he didn't need to run much in this game. This game was never really close. Um, despite what final score, I guess they got it to within seven or 10, um, but with an onside kick and the field goal and back and forth, but it was never really that close of a game. Um, and then, yeah, so Jalen Hurts ended up with 16% owned, obviously dominated that one V one. He put up 31.36 points. And if you uh, didn't play either of those, the next highest guys were Burrow at 5% put up 27.62 Dak also at 5% put up 32.06. Uh, CJ Stroud was in there in between there as well at 9% only put up 12.9. Um, but then I think if you didn't play Jalen, um, you just had to avoid the Lamar or CJ landmines. Um, but if you did play Lamar or CJ, you kind of knew you were at a bit of an uphill. Um, you, you knew you were going to need other points. And Lamar was obviously the late game there. CJ Stroud was the earlier, but I'll get to where my decision process came in with the Lamar aspect. So at the running back position, Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara were the clear running back plays for me. I touched on Hall, uh, Brees Hall on the Thursday pod where I was referencing that I thought he'd be the highest owned running back on the slate this week. And yeah, came in at 74% owned. It's probably one of the higher uh, running backs ownership we've seen this entire year. Alvin Kamara was a bit more expensive at seven to $300, but he's gotten 39 targets in the four games for, before this. We expected that Saints-Colts game to really have shootout potential up in pace. And uh, Field agreed, making that ownership 56.5% there. He paid off with multiple touchdowns despite only getting four receptions. What's noteworthy when I think about this Saints offense, though, so Derek Carr only threw the ball 27 times this week. Compare that to, to previous weeks, or 55 and 50. And obviously, like, you know, if you're going to throw drop back twice as many times, that's going to lead to fantasy goodness. And Alvin Kamara having four receptions on 27 is kind of the same thing as eight receptions on 54 dropbacks. And that's what we saw the previous weeks. So I'm still buying Alvin Kamara and his usage in this game. As long as Derek Carr is going to continue to use him as a uh, dump off and uh, he's going to be very valuable. 
for the third dime. So first off was like going back more than a couple guys. If Zach Moss was going to sit, I think Jonathan Taylor would have been an easy play for the third running back. If Jerome Ford sat, Kareem Hunt would have gotten a very solid look, but because that was a late game, it was hard to really make a decision there. And then I hate to say it, but I gave into the projections and I played Tony Pollard. And uh, I'm, I know how valuable that offense can be and the role that Tony Pollard should or could have. But at some point, I got to trust my gut. What I'm seeing myself with Tony Pollard, I think most people who have listened to this or see my Twitter, I believe that he's lost a step. That offensive line just isn't creating running lanes for him. He's not being used in space. Yes, it is a bit of a McCarthy versus a Kellen Moore situation. But I also think 26 years old, coming off the injury, being used as a you know a workhorse rather than the, uh, I don't want to call him a gadget back, but the in-space kind of luxury guy that he was before, it's all just having a toll. And I mean, if you look at even the numbers, last year, Pollard took 60% of his rushes outside. This year, only 37%. Um, and not being used nearly as much as a pass catcher in space either. So I got punished with the Pollard play. He was only 18% owned, scored 6.5 points. So this put me in a bit of a bind in an uphill situation, a hole that I had to dig out of. And that's uh, heavily where the swap came into play. So, and I didn't know this at the time, but 38% of the field ended up playing Pacheco in the late games. And he also only scored 6.7 points. So, Half the field ended up having a snowflake at running back. The differentiators here were the uh, 9% of people who played ETN and his 25.9 points, or 8% that played, paid up for uh, CMC with his 29.8 points. And I'll talk a bit about the uh, swap as I made a result of the Pollard play in a bit, but let's do wide receivers first. At wide receiver, I started the day with three mid-priced wide receivers on my team. That was Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, and Nico Collins. I mentioned on Thursday that Kendrick Bourne is being a likely play, but as Juju Smith-Schuster was active, I decided there was a bit too much kind of risk compared to his role the last two weeks. He ended up actually having a pretty good game. Caught a touchdown, unfortunately got hurt. Would have been a, probably a larger game. Um, but, yeah, so three guys I got. So Zay Flowers, he was the second best points per dollar wide receiver on the board, just behind a very cheap Michael Gallup. Um, but from a kind of raw point standpoint, plus the points per dollar, he just had that nice blended expected mean and ceiling and a great matchup versus the Cardinals. So he was an easy play. He's gotten unlucky with touchdown variants the past few weeks as well. That continued this week. I mean, Lamar got unlucky with touchdown variants as well, but uh, Isaiah ended up only scoring 6.9 points, had a really low average at the target. That's what he had the first couple games. And then we started seeing him use more downfield. Hopefully this was just a, you know, an outlier and not something that we're going to see going forward. We really need him to be used downfield. Um, yeah, did just all these really, really short line of scrimmage passes just aren't, aren't great for him um, going forward. Okay, um, I didn't really have a second, like a, a, like a second or third wide receiver that I loved. And when that happens, I usually end up just kind of skipping the position and trying to plug in everywhere else and then coming back to it. Um, a lot of the guys here were in consideration. I mean, it was Adam Thielen, Christian Kirk, both Texans wide receivers, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Uh, and then I also, I have a guy I went with, Josh Downs. And honestly, all of these were solid plays that really just kind of came down to how much money I had left. And I didn't feel too strongly about any of these. My final pre-lock 2v2 ended up being between the Houston wide receivers. So it was either Tank Dell with the Falcons or Nico Collins with the Vikings. And paying down at DST and getting Nico with his higher upside ended up being my choice. 
Uh, but again, it was more likely just a hey, remaining salary kind of thing more than anything else. And yeah, Josh Downs felt was a nice piece in it. We've seen the connection he has with Gardner Minshew. I mentioned that that game had shootout potential because of being you know, expected it to be up in pace. Uh, and we've seen some high ceiling games for Josh Downs. Uh, and then elsewhere in the wide receivers. So for people who paid down at either quarterback or running back, they likely ended up getting up to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was the third highest owned wide receiver at 23.36% and obviously put up a whopping 36 points. That was in the early game. So if you started off at A.J. Brown, you were feeling pretty, pretty good. Tight end. Um, I mentioned this in the Thursday pod, but it was as much of a free square as we've had this year. No Zach Ertz, only $2,800. There's no reason to really go with anyone other than Trey McBride and Cash. Uh, more than half the field, 55.5% of the field did just that. Rewarded with an elite game, a lot of it coming late, but uh, went 10 receptions, 95 yards, one touchdowns, 25 and a half DraftKings points. Um, yeah, it, it, this was this as much of a, as a free scare where I'll be honest, if you didn't play Trey McBride in cash, there's probably something from a process wise that you need to kind of assess what, what, what brought you to that decision because yeah, it, was, it was the wrong decision. Okay, and for defense, as I mentioned earlier, I was between paying down for the Falcons or paying all the way down for the Vikings. I did like the Falcons going against Titans. Titans were giving up 3.83 sacks per game coming into this one. You expected to have Will Levis, maybe a little Malik Willis back there. So strong matchup for the Vikings, it looked like. But I wasn't really willing to give up the wide receiver upgrade for what might be a slightly better DST matchup. And so... You, as usually happens for me, when I'm on a 2v2, I'll usually pay down at the defense position and get the wide receiver or the other player with a bit more upside. And that's what I did here. Uh, because hey, when I compare um, Tank Dell to Nico Collins, I think Tank Dell is a smaller guy. He's had some good games, but he's also disappeared in a few games. Nico Collins just, I think, has a bit more of a um, consistent role as well as a as well as a red zone threat. Uh, Tank Dell hasn't had an end zone target yet this year. Not too surprising with how small he is, but um, I think just a little less upside with the Tank Dell versus the Nico Collins side of things. Okay, so all that led me to the lineup that I mentioned. I'll go quickly. It's Lamar, Pollard, Kamara, Brees Hall, Zay Flowers, Nico Collins, Josh Downs, Trey McBride, and Vikings DSD. As the early games were winding down, I started getting concerned with my current positioning. My lowest owned guy was Tony Pollard. He put up a complete dot of 6.5 points. My second lowest guy was Nico Collins. And it, I mean, lowest, I'm talking about like from an ownership wise. So where I have leverage, they'll have leverage on me. And the second lowest ownership guy was Nico Collins, who also only put up seven points. So I'm not feeling great. I'm seeing a couple guys like, yes. AJ Brown was only 9% owned, but he put up a huge game that it's going to be very hard to catch up with those people. Um, I have two guys go and they pretty much did nothing. So I'm feeling behind the eight ball, not feeling good against like the one-off teams that didn't play the chalk and maybe hit on some of the maybe like random stuff. And then for the people with similar lineups to me, a lot of the 2v2s were probably looking a little better than mine because as I mentioned, like my final 2v2 came down to Nico Collins and maybe people played the Adam Thielen or the Christian Kirk or some of those others. Um, and so I just I thought maybe if I stayed with it, like, you know, it'd be one of those or maybe I can squeak in if my guys go off. But I really felt that best play for me was to kind of start looking into 2v2s or 3v3s off my remaining players. So 
Had I stayed with this lineup, I would have finished with 130.38 points, lost pretty much you know, majority of my contests, all my double ups, and uh, don't know if I had to head great would have been, but definitely not good. And instead, with Lamar, Flowers, and McBride to play, I started looking at those swap, option, swap options. I knew that I had to get off Lamar and Flowers um, and ideally looked at alternatives for McBride as well. Lamar Flowers being correlated together was actually helpful for me because if one of those has a bad game, more so if Lamar has a very bad game, it's likely Flowers does as well. So there's a decent chance that I have you know ability to, hey, if I get off these, I can use this as an opportunity to kind of beat the not only one of them, but anyone who has that stack. Um, so when I'm, you know, I'm swapping, looking for players, I usually like to focus on getting a player with enough upside that individually that player has a decent chance of hitting their ceiling, going off, and they could win that contest for me by themselves. And today, who was available in a late swap for me it was Jamar Chase. And that meant dropping from Lamar down to Brock Purdy. I looked at some other options that allowed me to also get off Trey McBride, like things that got me instead of Jamar Chase, it'd be Brandon, Jamar Chase would be Brandon Ayuk, and then it would be David Njoku. Um, that would give me a full 3v3 swap, which gives me a bit more leverage. But I wanted to prioritize a player like Chase who could break that slate. And McBride, again, at the price 2800 it wasn't worth me kind of like, I think we actually had Trey McBride as a higher projected play than David Njoku straight up. And so using that money to get up and then drop him down to Ayuk, it wasn't worth it to get just another piece of leverage. So I kept the Trey McBride there. And then I went with a pretty chase swap off of Lamar Flowers. Ended up gaining 33.2 points in doing so. And hey, swaps don't always work. And by definition, you're usually giving up projected points to make it happen. But I'm pretty happy with my process. I think I only gave up about two or so projected points, if I remember correctly. Um, and so happy with the process. When the cards were flipped, seeing how highly owned Lamar and Flowers were, 38% and 51% respectively, felt like the right decision. And as the result showed, it ended up working out well. So to recap, my cash lineup put up 164 points, cash in all the double ops, won 84% of my head-to-heads. And uh, like I like to do every week, compare the single entry $5 double up versus the main versus the multi-entry. And uh, interesting enough, today, the difference was only 0.2 points. The single entry double up cash line was 141.26, and the multi-entry was 141.46. We saw a similar comparison like this a few weeks back. And again, it was a week that the highest owned teams didn't cash. The chalk didn't hit. And I think this shows the value of getting away from the chalk if you're right. But you know, had Lamar and Flowers gone off, I have a feeling that the you know that multi-entry double up cash line would have been substantially higher than the single entry one. But in the cases when your chalkier players miss and your chalkier or your trains end up missing the cash line, you then have a lot more differentiation above and the trains are below, which leads those double ups for the single entry multi-entry being pretty similar. Okay, let's go on to the tourney team recap. So my tourney team also had some late swap craziness today. Uh, you'll see why in a second. I also prioritized smaller contests this week because when I was building the teams, um, the team that I really liked the most, it was more chalky than I'd like to be doing. Um, for large field tournaments. So focus more on the small field tourneys today. So I played Lamar Jackson with the Zay Flowers, Trey McBride as the bring back, extremely chalky, literally straight from cash lineup. But I just really liked the build, how it's set up from a cost saving standpoint. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to find ways to get differentiated elsewhere. 
And uh, so first way to do that was with Kareem Hunt at running back, also did Brees Hall, and then did an Adam Thielen, Tank Dell mini stack, and Jamar Chase went off. As you see, like in a Packers defense. This was overall a fairly chalky lineup, but I just liked a lot of it from a hey, projection standpoint. I thought that Kareem Hunt, I the Jamar Chase, I the Packers D was enough of a differentiation for those smaller field tournaments. Uh, my early games, they were fine. Not great. And I missed on those big games from CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown. But the big thing is Jerome Ford, surprisingly healthy, active. So I kind of knew I needed to blow up the whole thing from going now because that's the other that's the other benefit with this is if in the early games I would have hit with my players, it would have given me more of an opportunity to say, like, okay, I'm confident in going with a little chalkier going forward, missing with the players early on. Now I know I need to get off the chalk and I need to find a new way to differentiate. And so that's what I really did. So Brees, Thielen, Tank, and the Packers were locked in from the early games. I kept Jamar Chase and Trey McBride, and then I swapped to a Purdy Ayuk stack with Pacheco as a one-off. Uh, ended up being a pretty successful swap. That ended up getting me a few min caches. Uh, final point total of 153.20. Nothing special. Still had a couple snowflakes in there, but was just happy to claw back any cash after that rough start. And obviously what would have happened with the Lamar Flowers would have just been a complete dud. Um, so, hi. I think that is all for today. Uh, we're going to have an interesting next couple of days with the NFL trade deadline coming up. And on Thursday for uh, the podcast, I'll recap everything that went down, preview the week ahead. So, hey, hope you all have a great start to the week. Hope this week and uh, DFS and Rainmakers and best ball and everything you're doing, fantasy, home leagues, everything went well. Um so have a good start to the week. If you're not already, go ahead, hit that subscribe button to the feed so you can keep getting the latest episodes. We'll go directly to your feed going forward. Have a safe and happy Halloween. I will see you all Thursday. Later.